It is Thursday, May the 4th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, founding member of the Sports Broadcasters Transfer Portal, J.P. Shadrick. Welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy hour ahead recapping the draft. The Jaguars came away with 13 players. We'll get Jeff Lagerman's thoughts on that. The offseason program continues. Phase two, players on the practice field. And the coaches are out there, too, with them for the first time this week. And they've got two more weeks of that. We'll get into that coming up. We'll go around the National Football League, and we'll discuss the AFC South quarterbacks that were drafted. Everybody's playing catch-up to the Jaguars. We welcome in Jeff Logman, Jaguars analyst, former Jet, former Jaguar, current analyst. How are you? Good. I'm good. Um, good to see you. I haven't seen you since Thursday night. Yeah, such you know, a like long last time. Week. Yeah, a big, big week. It's like a whole know. week. Big week. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was an exciting draft. It was uh, a lot of fun watching the the opening night of the draft, and I thought the Jaguars did an amazing job of of trading down and still getting the guy that they wanted. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I like about the draft and how it went for the Jaguars is just because when you look at the draft, it's a it's a numbers game, it's a percentages game. You have to go into the draft knowing that you're not going to hit on every pick. It just doesn't happen. It's so you you have to say, okay, the more picks we have, the better chance that we have at success. And the Jaguars were able to trade down in round one twice to pick up extra picks. And that gives them a better chance of finding talent later in the draft because, again, it's a percentage game. The more darts you can throw at the dartboard, maybe you'll hit some. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, even – Somebody who's not very good at darts is going to get a hit if you give them enough darts, right? I mean, so uh, right. even some folks that aren't good with personnel, and I'm not saying that's the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars have done a very good job from a personnel standpoint. But uh, the better, you know, the more darts you have, the better opportunity you have. And so, you know, you go and you look at their draft, and I was sitting there at first night, and I was telling you, I said, there's no way that they're going to end up with 11 or 12 picks. I didn't think so either. At the end of the night, that they're going to package some of these picks and probably move up in the middling rounds, whether that be round three, four, or five, and try to combine some some opportunities there. But I was shocked. Well, apparently they tried to move back up into the third round later, and nobody played ball with them. That's okay. And then you go into Saturday with 10 picks going into the day, and they ended up with 10 players and an additional pick in 2024 to go with that. Which is a good thing. Again, you know, the more draft equity that you have in the future, just like in the draft that you're currently in, the better you have it. That's chance you have at success. We're on 10 a.m., Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, our podcast on the free iHeartRadio app. Search Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's get into the draft pick review, at least the first five rounds or so. Next week, going into rookie minicamp, we'll dig into the last two rounds and the, uh, the undrafted free agent guys and really kind of get in the weeds there on those guys going into the weekend next week. Uh, of course, we'll talk about, as we said, the AFC South quarterbacks coming up. There was a lot of activity early in the first round with the other AFC South teams trying to catch up with Trevor Lawrence and the Jags there. But the Jaguars had the 24th pick. They traded back twice, as you said, Logs, to get Anton Harrison at number 27 overall, the Oklahoma tackle. 
Well, he's playing right tackle here. He played only one game there last season in a pinch for the Sooners. Uh, yeah, so the game went good. Um, I actually played that game with no practice at right tackle because uh, it was a late switch in the roster. I mean, so our right tackle got out late in the game week. So I had no practice and went into that game. And I felt like I played good. I've, it's an easy, natural switch for me. Uh, I say it's no let off right and left side. So I feel confident on both sides. He's confident. He should be. Doug Peterson said after the draft that he'll be at right tackle right away. And uh, let's see what happens with the big guy. Well, look, uh, I thought that he was the the second best left tackle in the draft. Um, from watching the whole group of them, I thought the best guy was at Ohio State. That was Paris Johnson. And good football player. A lot of people felt that Broderick Jones from Georgia was the second best. I disagree with that. I think he's really raw. Uh, what I like most about Anton Harrison is that he's polished. He's got really good hands. He's got really good feet. He's patient. I think the most impressive thing that he does is how he finishes. He just finishes blocks. And you've heard me probably many times say throughout you know, the years that, look, I want offensive linemen that finish. You know, because when you finish, it gives you a, a better opportunity at success in the pass game and in the run game. And that's what I love about Anton is that he finishes the plays all the time. Not some of the time, all the time. I think he could get a little bit stronger, but that's part of the progression. You know, when you're a, a young man, that's one of the parts that just kind of comes with the territory when you get a little bit older. And I think he'll gain some of that uh, because when he gets power rush sometimes, he's got to do a little bit better job of putting the anchor out. But the great thing is is that you can teach that and then you can work towards that. What you can't teach is athleticism and feet, and he's got both of them. You know, as the years have gone by, especially the last, let's say, five, seven years in college football, I think it's probably become a little harder to find true NFL-style offensive line play because of the way offenses are played in college football. It's spread, it's go to the line, look at the sideline for a play call, and then you're up, you're not really, there's not a lot of power football teams anymore in college football. They're spreading it out, so... Have you seen that over the last number of years? I mean, it's tough to find true – back in the old days, you'd find a bunch of NFL caliber left tackles and that. Right. It's and, changed. And when you see a lot of – well, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But when you see a lot of that read option stuff, it's hard to evaluate because in the NFL you have five and seven step drop back passing game. If you don't have that in college, how can you evaluate an offensive lineman if he's not doing it? It's a and, guessing game, really. It's, well, a, it's a, you know looking ahead. Can he do this? That's why they call the, you know they use the term projection or projecting a guy in the NFL style of play, and that's hard to do. It's always better, and I think it's more consistent evaluation when you are able to evaluate a player doing what you're actually going to ask them to do. I think that's why it's so much easier to evaluate a running back, and coming from college to the pros because. He's running the ball, okay? You're asking him to do the same exact thing that he was doing in college. And with offensive linemen, it's a little different. With pass rushers, it also is a little different because, again, you're not having the five- and seven-step drop. So, But uh, I, I really like the pick. I really like, again, the fact that they were able to trade back and still get their guy. And with the situation with Cam Robinson and also with them losing Jawan Taylor – 
I think that's a that's an excellent pick for them. Jaguars happy hour on 1010XL AM, jaguars.com, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. Let's move now to the second round, and Penn State tight end Brenton Strange. Versatility is key. He lined up everywhere for the Nittany Lions, and it's the same idea here in Jacksonville. So I would say definitely my best football is ahead of me, uh, but my strengths are I can I can provide a lot. I'm very versatile. You can put me anywhere on the offense and be effective. Uh Play the Y, I play the H, and I play fullback. So you can put me in multiple different positions to be able to impact the game, and uh, that's my best strength. And I, I just can't wait to be a part of the team, help us win games, and, and make plays for us. I did the Penn State Auburn game on radio this year, Logs at Jordan Hare, and it was the first time they had hosted a Big Ten team in that stadium ever. Penn State went in there and beat the heck out of Auburn. Pretty good front seven on defense, by the way. Three drafted guys in this draft out of that front seven, and Brenton Strange was all over the field, lining up different places, lead blocking. He had his best receiving day of the season, six catches, 80 yards, but he's leading the way on big explosive runs, and he was everywhere for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah, when uh, when they made this pick, I had not watched him. You know, I, I watched guys that were viewed as first-round talents as far as evaluating those, so which are probably like, I don't know, 60-some-odd 60 guys that I watched in preparation for the draft for, for our purposes on the, on the show. So now here's a guy that wasn't on my list. Let me go back and watch him. And I, I believe Darnell Washington was available at that time, the tight end from Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, so big, the big guy, number a, zero. A lot of people would have been saying or probably were thinking to themselves, well, how, why would you – select this guy Brenton Strange from Penn State when Washington is available from Georgia. So I was like, okay, we'll find the answer. Let's turn the tape on. And that's what I did. And when I turned the, the tape on, I went, oh, my gosh. This is a Doug Peterson pick all the way. This guy is going to be an immediate contributor. He is going to hit the field uh, in the ground running. He is, uh, like he was just saying, he's a Y, he's an H, he's a fullback. He can do whatever you ask him to do. He's got the size to be an on-the-line tight end, but I think what he does best is that he's a great space player. When I say space player, a tight end that's off the ball or that blocks in space but then also catches the ball in space. And in today's game, you're looking to find space players. So you're not always looking to find the old traditional six foot five, two hundred and eighty pound tight end. That's a different game. And this guy is going to fit in this offense perfectly. And they're going to love him because he is so versatile. He's an excellent blocker. And not only is he an excellent blocker, he finishes guys and he mauls them. And it's not always easy to find a tight end that can block a guy in space, a defensive back or a safety mm -hmm. or a linebacker, because there's too much area for the defender to avoid the block and get back on track. This guy's excellent at it. I mean, and that's that's a rarity. So uh, excellent blocker, physical, um, good receiver, powerful after the catch, as you saw in the Auburn game, uh, and I think he was probably underutilized as a receiver at Penn State. When it comes to how he fits in the scheme with the Jaguars, obviously Evan Ingram at tight end, if you have both tight ends on the field with a running back and two of the top three receivers on the field, how challenging can that be for a defense to cover? Because you, you, you might run, you might throw, who you're throwing it to, how you're getting it. It makes things extremely difficult. Extremely difficult when it's unpredictable. And when you have tight ends that can do 
all of the above, yeah. what Brenson just talked about, then defensive coordinators are put in a little bit of a pickle. Are we going to make a call? First of all, you start with personnel. Is our personnel grouping going to be a base personnel grouping to combat a run-oriented tight end grouping? Or are we going to go to nickel because they have some wide receiver qualities? Well, with Evan Ingram and this young man, Brenton Strange, I think defensive coordinators are going to be in a little bit of a pickle, so to speak, because they're not exactly sure how they're going to want to play it because they can do both. Evan Ingram can block. Is he a dominant physical blocker like Brenton Strange? No, but he's capable and willing, and he's an excellent receiver. Strange is the better blocker, but he also is more than capable as a wide receiver. So that's going to be interesting to see how this package unfolds because I guarantee you this young man is going to be on the field day one. He's the second highest tight end drafted in Jaguars history. Mercedes Lewis was a first-round pick. And he is, uh, what, 61st overall. Uh, Josh Oliver was a few picks later, just a few years ago. I got excited about him, JP. I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you, when I was watching the film, the more I, I kept going, let me watch another play, let me watch another play. And before you know it, I watched every play that he had this past year and what is a you know folder that they have designated for like a highlight in his ability and stuff. And I watched the whole thing. I was like, man, you know, for a guy that I didn't know about, and so all the, the pre-draft prognosticators have a group of tight ends. This young man should have been in that upper tier of tight ends. Let's touch on the third-round pick now out of Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. He adds to a crowded running back room logs. Of course, ETN's there. Dearness Johnson signed in the offseason. A, a number of names are in there. they got a fullback later in the draft as well. So, you know, at some point – uh, this is a, a type of a player, or at least a mentality that he had at Auburn in three years of one cut, get downhill, not afraid of contact, can run a little bit, and it kind of gives you a little bit of, um, you know, you can you can catch your breath when it's short yardage and you don't have to blast ETN in there all the time anymore. Well, he's a, he's a, I think he's a nice downhill back. He's got some nice cutting ability. He's got excellent speed. Um, is he a great receiver out of the backfield? That's not really what they asked him to do at Auburn a ton. So I think that's uh, kind of a two-to-be-determined type of thing. But I like it because he doesn't, he doesn't dance before he gets to the hole. He's a north-south type of runner. And the impressive thing with him is that he's made and he makes a ton of yards after contact. Which, uh, look, at Auburn, uh, Auburn's days of glory are a little bit in their past. And their offensive line is not what it used to be. So he's getting a lot of the yardage that he's gotten really on his own. And, and you, you always love it when you pick a guy that's proven it not just in one year or two years. He's done it for three years. With inconsistent quarterback play and coaching changes and scheme differences I mean he's been one of the constants in Auburn the last three years and give him some credit for sticking things out there I was kind of surprised I really thought that the Jaguars would try to find a corner a defensive back somewhere in whether it be round two or three understood that not not happening in round one uh, but uh, I thought maybe round two or round three it would happen but Uh, Look, if they were staying true to their board and that's what their board said, good for them. We'll come back in a moment and get in to the cornerback. They ended up getting a little later in the draft. The Jags are excited to take the field this fall, and we want you here for all the action. So for as low as $57 per game, you can join the ranks of the most dedicated fans by becoming a Jags season ticket member. 
Find your perfect seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. After an offensive first two days of the draft, we work on the defense from day three. That's next on Jaguars Happy Hour. We're back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday, post-draft. We are breaking down the draft picks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's a lot of them, 13 of them. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, glad you're with us on 1010 AM in Jacksonville. Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. If you can't find us, look somewhere else. We're always somewhere. We're everywhere. Worldwide, in fact. Hmm. Hey, we, we've gone through the first two days. That's the first three rounds. Now, all that was all about offense. or Yes, offense, finding those key pieces, you know. And now it's on to the defense and special teams. In day three, the fourth round, they had two picks, ended up with uh, two picks, two in the fifth round as well. Ventro Miller, Florida linebacker, the first pick in the fourth round for the Jaguars. Well, he understands that his role in Jacksonville will be more about just defense. I feel like I always had to wait my turn, um, be patient with the process. And uh, special team was always a huge emphasis, even at Florida. And I know it's a huge emphasis up at the next level. So whatever my role is, just going 100% at it, uh, whatever that is, like I said. All right. Well, you might say to yourself, self didn't they get a bunch of linebackers last year in the draft and yeah. free agency? Uh, two of them. Right. Muma, two in the Devin draft, Lloyd. And Foyer Lewican in free agency. Correct. Um, why Ventrell Miller? And what uh, can he bring to the – he's going to be a 24-year-old rookie this year. Lawrence. Well, and that, I'm a little kind of surprised by this selection um, for two reasons. One, because it's a, it's a – first of all, you've got – a lot of capital that you spent at that position last year, but then also when I watched the film of Ventro Miller, uh, I mean, I don't, there's no other way to put it. I want to, I, I want to know why. I want to learn more. I mean, I'm watching a guy who runs pretty well, who's pretty thick, but he misses some plays once he gets there. He's had some injuries over the years too. Been out of the okay. lineup a lot. You know, like he's coming off a foot thing. He had uh, a Jones fracture in his foot. He said he had a bone graft and. He said he's actually at the end of his four-month recovery, so he okay. should be good to go moving ahead from right. that. So, and I hope that what I'm watching is not the best Ventrell Miller. And, and I will say this. I'm not 100% batter now when it comes to evaluating talent. And, I, and I'll give you a, a little – Are you admitting you've been wrong before? Well, everybody's wrong at some point. I, I just remember wow. watching – there was a guy by the name of T.J. Watt, and I was watching him, and people were saying – that he was a first-round pick, and I was watching T.J. Watt, and I was like, I like that he plays hard, but I don't think he's got enough talent to be like a first-round pick. Me, exactly. On the, me totally on the other wrong. Hand, me totally on, wrong. Remember, you guys mocked me. We did. For mocking him to the Steelers <laughs> in the first round in our official mock draft. You nailed it. I knew what was coming. For the uh, record, he, you, you nailed it, and uh, I mean, again, you know, here's an NFL defensive MVP, and 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 I didn't see that watching his college tape. I thought he was going to be a really good player, but not a great player. Uh, so Ventrell Miller proved me wrong. You know, I, I want to see more, and uh, and he's got a position. First of all, his position right now is going to be ST, not LB. ST is special teams. Thank you. Okay, because uh, he's not going to see the field. 
as a linebacker unless he absolutely blows them away. You got to beat out a free agent guy who's uh, literally the energizer bunny in foyer, Lewican, and then Devin Lloyd, a first round pick, and Chad Muma, a third round pick. You better find a way to beat those guys out to get on the field. That's a tough task. Would they move Lloyd ST up to like the rush? On the line kind of I, idea? I, well, I think that's and one of the – maybe Miller jumps in there? That's one of the most interesting things, I think, that – and we're not going to know. No. Because they're not going to tell us. But I think that's one of the most interesting things to watch in this defense going forward is will the roles of Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd, will the scheme be tweaked? We don't – I mean, where there, will their roles be tweaked? I think that's – the number one most interesting question when you're talking about the Jaguars' defense going into 2023. Let's continue in the fourth round a little later. The Jaguars pick up Oklahoma State defensive end Tyler Lacey. He can line up in some different places up front as well. Outside, can go inside, three technique, all that kind of thing. It reminded me, at least at first glance, of a Dewan Smoot type of player, a guy who can move and bring you some of that. A little different type of player, though. Okay, Smoot's a little bit more of the uh, combination of finesse and then a little bit of power, whereas Tyler Lacey's a big dude and he is strong. Um, I look at him as a as a big end, okay. and then also a three technique. Is he an amazing pass rusher? No, but he's got some natural power. He's got a nice little what I call a grab-pull outside swim that he does a good job with. You need to explain that a little bit further. What does that even so mean? So if, if I came in you with both hands and hit you right in the chest, yeah. and then I gra- use one of my hands to grab the shirt yeah. and push you away and then pull you towards me and then use my opposite arm and swim over that shoulder that I'm pulling yeah. on, it's kind of like an arm-over technique. Mm. He's got a pretty good push-pull. He's got a rig, very good power move. He does a good job on the right side when he does a little outside chop to beat the outside arm of the guard. Um, so I think this guy is going to be a contributor. I think he's got a great motor, and he uh, uh, he plays with high energy. You just chopped the microphone, too. I did. I, did. I, I yeah. chopped the edge of it a little <laughs> bit right. there. Sorry, yeah, that's what sorry it sounds about like that. When, it, when it, Tyler Lacey chops was it, you. Was it Reber that had to I don't know. deal with that? Whatever. Chop. Uh, Jaguars happy hour. Attention XL AM, Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, glad you're with us. Let's go to the fifth round. And the Jaguars continued with their defensive picks, and they go up to Louisville and get the ACC leader in sacks a season ago. Edge player Yasir Abdullah coming to Jacksonville, and he's done it for a couple years up there. And uh, let's see. You know, pass rush is the is what we're talking about all offseason, needing to improve in that area. Let's see what Abdullah brings to the table, Logs. Well, the, the first thing that stands out on him is his measurables, and I was just actually uh, trying to pull it up because he's like a six-foot-one – 240-pound kind of edge rusher. Ngakwe, right? Um, I don't even – I think Ngakwe was maybe 6'2". I mean, this is a shorter-statured outside player. And at Louisville, they played – ran a 3-4. He was kind of that Sam on the line of scrimmage outside linebacker. He's got 
uh, he's got some really great athleticism. He's got excellent speed, and you can read his numbers if you've got his height, weight, speed there. 6'1", 237 with 32 and 3'8 inch arms. 40-yard dash time? 40 and 447. Okay, that's, that's legit fast. I mean, legit fast for an outside edge guy. And what I like about him is that he's got some natural bend. He's got a nice little lean to him. He's got great speed, but they they play him as what we call, some people have called it a spinner. Some people have called it uh, a, like a wild, wild man rush position. Uh, so you go back, to you watch some teams, they have three down linemen and one guy that's kind of a roving pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He might insert in the B-gap on one side. He might walk all the way to the far side and rush off with the outside edge. He did a lot of that at Louisville to where he was just walking around and then he would go. Is that a player can choose it or it depends on the player if they well, allow him to choose it? Or, or well, is that I, most of, of the time it's determined because you want to have a balanced rush. Yeah. And and so you got to have gap integrity when you're playing a defense, even in a pass rushing situation. So I, I think that this this guy, first of all, the athleticism that he, that he has is going to help from the standpoint of your pass rush, but then also his athleticism and the speed that he has, he's going to provide immediate help as a special teams player. and uh, But the shorter statured guys sometimes can get a little engulfed by the big tackles. But then again, there was two guys in Indianapolis that were not the tallest in the world, and their name were Freeney and Mathis. And they were pretty damn good at, at being shorter statured guys. So I'm excited to see what uh, Abdullah can do. Another fifth-round pick for the Jaguars on the defensive side, the Jags. Finally got into the secondary and got a defensive back, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, and not you know not many corners love the contact. Certainly Johnson does. I think I just love the aggressiveness of the game. Uh, I always think about it like, is it the me or him? And I, I refuse it to be me. So that's just the um, mentality I bring to every game, every tackle I try to make. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I just love to hit hard, love to play the game, love to fly around the field. The majority of his snaps were in the slot and nickel, and a lot of his highlights that you'll see on Jaguars.com and other places, there are receivers going head over heels after he makes contact. He's aggressive. He'll come in and make some contact and, and make some big plays. He was a guy that was rated to go much higher than what he did. Um, some people had a second, third round grade on him, and he didn't end up going until the fifth round. And maybe one of the reasons why is that – He's got – he doesn't have the great speed that you're looking for with a defensive back. I mean, if you're looking for great speed at defensive back, you're looking in the 4-4 range. I believe he was in the mid-4-5s to, to high-4-5s, which is not considered great speed for a defensive back. Some people had him rated as a safety. But uh, he played at Texas A&M in the slot, as you talked about, and open field, feistiness, tackler – Excellent in all those categories. Again, the only thing that really showed to me that he was lacking a little bit is the ability to run guys down because he doesn't have that elite speed. Is uh, is his role going to be a, a nickel, or will his long-term role 
be that of a safety. Maybe both. It could yeah. be like a hybrid to where he's a safety. Yeah. And, you know, like we saw last year with um, Spicoli kicking down from safety to <laughs> – Andrew Winger. <laughs> just having about. fun there. Yes. <laughs> Winger, I love him. Uh, and uh, he's an excellent player. And he did a great job with that kind of that hybrid role of safety slash uh, nickelback slash Sam when they went to dime. I think you could do some similar type of things with Antonio Johnson. The Jaguars had six total picks over the final two rounds. We'll dig into those guys in depth a little more next week ahead of rookie minicamp, them and the undrafted free agents. Again, with 13 draft picks, it's a lot to go Yeah, through. and we'll, we'll cherry pick a few of the of the undrafted guys. I mean, there's no sense of going yeah. over all of them. We'll cherry pick a couple guys that, uh, that I watch on film that I really like, and then, you know, hopefully – can get some people excited because, you know, look, I'm always excited about the undrafted guys because the reality is that some of your picks that you have in round six or seven are rated no differently than the guys that you signed as undrafted free agents. Calling all Jags fans, elevate your game day experience with Vine 04 Napa Valley, the official wine club of the Jags. Sip on handcrafted Napa Valley wines and show your team pride with every pour. Visit vine04.com and sign up to receive three or six premium Napa Valley wine bottles twice a year, along with exclusive access to private events and complimentary tastings. Join the Vine 04 Club today and toast to the Jags legacy with every sip. The Texans, Colts, and Titans all picked quarterbacks. That's next on Jaguars Happy Hour. We're back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Brent Reber on the video side, Joe Fortunato on the audio. Glad you're with us on 1010 AM in Jacksonville, Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. If you don't subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network, what in the world are you doing? Do it now. Missing out. You're missing everything, man. We do it all on there. Missing out. And definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yes. I all mean, the like above. Key, major, major cool well, stuff. Well, that's where all your film room things go. That's There might be some, you know, you're, you're trying to get a self-plug in there, which is good. I, I get right. it, man. Sound, sounds of the game. All, yes, that's on there. What's the uh, the new um, hunt? The hunt of offseason? I mean, I'm, I'm not in that. I'm not, you know. <laughs> Are you I mean, going to do some film room stuff on these rookies or what? Well, I Sure, I can. <laughs> Yeah, Are you asking me to do I, something? I didn't know if you'd have been assigned to do I'm, that. I'm not. sure we'll have a little In the past, bit of something. Jeff Lagerman would have a bunch of film room things. Well, I can maybe, tell you. Maybe the agent didn't do I don't what, know. What, what would happened? have been a really good thing is that uh, you know before I started watching all these draft picks, that somebody said, hey, Jeff, you know we're going to go ahead and do this video package. We'll go ahead and write some of those numbers down of the plays you love so that we can do a video package. I haven't heard that yet, <clears throat> Dave Pat. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Just saying. <clears throat> Dave Pat. Yeah. Wow. I Pat, didn't I didn't Pat mean Dave. I didn't mean to, you know <laughs> I didn't know it was that raw of a subject. My apologies. I'm, not, I'm not raw, Pat Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that's it may or may not wonder be coming. Long, I wouldn't bet the farm on it, but whatever. Wonder how long it's gonna take for me to get a tech. <clears throat> not long. Dave Pat. Hey, uh everybody else in the division drafted a quarterback. You think? And high. Uh, Why didn't we draft one? Because I think we're doing just fine. And that's the whole idea. Judy Batista of NFL Media had a really good lead in an article Saturday on NFL.com. 
Here's how it read. The most impactful trend of the 2023 draft was not the early run on quarterbacks, the mid-first-round run on receivers, or the scramble for offensive linemen. It was the race to stop Trevor Lawrence. He represents what everybody else in the AFC South needed badly in this draft, a franchise quarterback who could seize control of the NFL's most wide-open division. That's how the story started. She went through, of course, every quarterback pick from there, and it, it is glaring. Obviously, Houston made the biggest splash early in the draft. They got C.J. Stroud. Then they made the trade to get Will Anderson Jr. on the Which defensive Which they gave up the way too much. <laughs> so, I mean, what are you doing? He's not even the best edge defender. Tyree Wilson is a better player. Can't believe they gave up all that draft capital. That, that's, that was a quarterback's ransom that the Texans gave up. And trust me, uh, that's a good thing for the Jaguars. I'm not trying to, to poo-poo the whole thing. Great job, Texans. Way to screw it up for yourself. C.J. Stroud is the quarterback selection, though, at number two overall. And I two, think he's a great pick. You think so? Way. I love him. I love him. I don't care. He was your favorite of all the quarterbacks? He, and I told you that from the get-go. He was my favorite guy that I watched on film. He's got the, the height, weight, the measurables, the production. He showed the arm talent. He showed the mental acuity to play the game. I don't care about all that scores, testing test stuff scores. that was reported. Uh, the guy can play football. And this is going to be a tough guy to contend with in the division for years to come. Now, the question about Anthony Richardson, uh, I'm not sold on him. He goes to number four to the Indianapolis Colts out of the University of Florida, and we'll see. And the Colts, obviously, both of these franchises, by the way, have had a lot of change over the last few years at quarterback. First off, the Houston Texans. We know what's happened there. Deshaun Watson has moved on back in 2017. He wasn't even the starting quarterback week one when he was drafted against the Jaguars. They had 10 sacks that day. The Jaguars did. Watson came in at halftime of that game and was a starter the next three years. He's moved on. Davis Mills. Now it's on to C.J. Stroud. The Colts have had even more of a revolving door over the last few years. They've spent over $100 million on Brissett, Rivers, Wentz, and Matt Ryan in the last four years alone, and not a lot of it's worked all that well. Now they're going to roll the dice and see what happens with Anthony Richards. The, what did I tell you? about that marriage of Anthony Richardson and Jim Irsay. I said this, it's not exactly going to be the greatest environment for a young quarterback who is considered a project to thrive in because Mr. Irsay is a little, what's a, what's a good, nice term, different. He's a little different. They got a new head coach. So, well, wait a minute, but we're not ready to move on to the head coach. I'm still talking okay. about okay. You're just talking about the this owner. owner. Okay. So what does he do after the end of round one? He tweets about picking Levis in round two. What do you compare it to? It'd be like Montana and Young. Is that what he said? Yeah. Hello, <laughs> Montana and Young were not the same draft class. Okay, uh, Joe Montana was already showing that he was a Hall of Fame guy. Steve Young was in the USFL, came over to the NFL, and sat behind him. It wasn't like they drafted Steve Young and Joe Montana in the same draft class. Again, it just it kind of proved my point in that that's not the great environment that you would like a quarterback to have to develop in. It's uh, I think that that's 
not going to end well. I hope it ends well for the young man, Anthony Richardson, because he's got some abilities that are just otherworldly, but they don't qualify into the quarterbacking category uh, uh, at otherworldly. He's got phenomenal athleticism. He shows at time that he might have the best arm in the draft. He shows that he might be arguably one of the best, best athletes in the draft. But playing quarterback is about playing quarterback, not being the best athlete or the best runner. So Jaguar, that will be interesting. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It's in 10XL AM and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. The Titans got Peter Skaronsky in the first round offensive lineman for Northwestern. A guard. He's a, a lot he's of a, people had him rated high. He's a, well, he, many people thought he was the highest rated offensive lineman, but the reality is, is many teams view him as a guard. He just doesn't have – the length. Old so. T-Rex. You call it, is that what you're calling got, him? He's got the T-Rex pass-blocking <laughs> okay. arms, okay? Uh-huh. But, uh, look, the Titans are committed to winning now with Mike Vrabel. Make no mistake about it. Mike Vrabel is coming to play football with a competitive team. And the best way that they can be competitive is to help make Derrick Henry better mm-hmm. and putting a quality offensive lineman in front of him. Because if you go back to the Titans' best years – when they have had this great running back has been when they've had better offensive line, and that offensive line has gone downhill recently. So that's the O-line pick, and then they come back around, as you said, in round number two, 33 overall, and get Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Uh, he'll work in the background at least to begin, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, maybe yeah, he goes and wins it. He'll Tannehill's sit, still there. But he'll sit behind Tannehill. you got to remember, too, Logs. I mean, this Titans team is – a fumble away from winning the, the division. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, that, that's my point that's about Vrabel committing to being competitive. They're and, right there. And uh, and I think – I don't know if they're right there. I, first of all, if something happens to Derrick Henry, they're right, right, right there. there is not even in the same zip code is what we're talking about. I mean, they, they've got to have Derrick Henry. But uh, I think it's interesting in that I don't think it's ever happened – in NFL history that you've had one division have two top five quarterbacks and then a second-round pick quarterback also added to that same division. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. The AFC South is going to be considered the quarterback class of 2023, but the best one is one from 2021. Let's keep it that way. Keep getting better. Well, that's, a, that's the plan. Run with it. Run with that's, it. That's the plan, you know. But I, I look, I – I think it was a, a very fun, entertaining draft. I said this before the draft that you could throw some names up in the air and then however they fell, arrange them for the draft and then pick them back up, throw them up in the air again and have them land again because, I mean, that's how many people thought that this draft was going to go. There were so many people that and players that people didn't know where they were going to get drafted. And uh, and so it made it intriguing from from my standpoint because you want to see where guys get drafted, how teams view them, and it's interesting when it kind of finally plays out and the picks are made, and you sit there and you go, hmm, that's interesting. You know, for example, the tight end from Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, I thought he was going to be a first round pick. Surely, right around that twenty four range where the Jaguars were picking, that he would be somebody that would be a viable guy somewhere in twenty four, certainly through you know around around pick thirty. I didn't think he'd go to round two. I mean, that's interesting to me. And the fun part too is you know 
fans can be excited about certain picks and maybe not as excited about others, but maybe they just didn't hear a name in a bunch of mock drafts leading up to it. doesn't mean the guy that was picked is not going to be a good player or develop into one over time, or maybe you just haven't heard of the guy. You know, the, the, the fun exercise to do and would be to do is to go back and let's look at the draft from three years ago. Okay, so the players that were drafted three years ago that had three seasons under their belt. Now let's go back and look at that draft and evaluate where those guys should have been picked and where they were picked. Now, you know, so that you can – because right now when you sit there and you go, oh, the Jags had a great great draft. Because all of these publications and websites are putting out grades for the, the oh, Jaguars yeah. and every other team in the National Football League – What's the draft grade? What did they get? Did they get an A? Did they get a B? Did they get a C? Did they get a D? What you need to do is go back and look at the draft of your teams from three years ago and grade that. That's the accurate grades that you want to be evaluating. You wanna, you, you wanna Not do this, the instantaneous ones. You want to do this on the fly when we come back? We'll grade the 2019 draft? Let's do it. Let's I do that. Pull it up. We'll go around the NFL also when we come back. And whether you want to entertain your closest friends, build your network, or treat your employees to a memorable game day experience, memorable game day experience, that is, there are premium seating options at the bank that fit every need. For more information about single game suites, club seats, spot cabanas, and more, call 904-633-2000 and press option three. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. If you're watching us on Jaguars.com or Jaguars social media, it's a live look at the Miller Electric Center. Look at that beautiful green grass glowing in the Florida sunshine. We'll be out there for training camp in late July. The Jags get the key to the building July 1st. They'll start moving in. And then in a couple weeks' time, they'll be ready to get prepared for training camp at the end of July, and then they'll be on the field, and they'll be in that building full-time. Uh, there's a lot of work still to be done, but a lot of great people out there doing that uh, tough work to get it done on time, and it will be fantastic for this organization moving ahead. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. There's no better time to become a Daily's Place Blue member than right now. Reserve your 2023 premium seat membership or individual luxury experience and enjoy guaranteed seats in the best locations. You'll get premium parking, a VIP entrance, club access, and so much more. Call 904-633-2000 or email ticketing at boldevents.com. Good schedule coming up at Daily's Place. All right, so uh, we on the fly here are going to regrade logs <laughs> the 2020 Jaguars draft class. That didn't do so good. Are you ready for this? Yes, uh, I am ready. Ready or not? What here do you we got? go. First round pick, ninth overall, cornerback C.J. Henderson from Florida. Uh, when he was drafted, the reaction kind of said it all. He's, he's been a bust. He's uh, In he, Carolina now, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option? They did not. Correct. So yeah, he's going to be a, a, a free agent next year, and and that doesn't shouldn't happen with a top ten cornerback pick. Jaguars had a second first round pick, twentieth overall, Caleb Unchazon, the defensive end, and uh, the Jaguars are not taking his fifth year option. No, and that's that's been disappointing. I think he's had one sack right in three years, and that's just not where you wanted to be with an outside linebacker. And look, I appreciate his effort. 
and he's uh, he he has added to this team, but not in the capacity of being a first round pick. So playing, that pick has been disappointing. Sort of doing some more special teams stuff. When he came back, he was banged up a little bit last year, and then mm-hmm. came back was doing a lot of teams work. Where do, where, what do we got next? Lavisca Chenault Jr., wide receiver, Colorado in the second round, traded away. Yeah. Uh, hasn't provided um, anything to this organization in the last couple of years. I mean, big, strong, physical, but uh, had a hard time figuring out where to be big, strong, and physical at times. Next up for the Jags in the third round, defensive tackle Devon Hamilton from Ohio State. Good just player, signed an extension. Good player, best player of the draft. I mean, and just got an extension. I mean, this is a guy that I thought took a big step up last year, and many people thought that uh, he would kind of be falling to the wayside because of some of the free agent acquisitions they've had at defensive tackle over the last couple of years, and all he did was show that he might be the best of the bunch. Three years, $34.5 million. Good player, by the way. Uh, ben Barch in the fourth round, guard. I mean, he's been a good player when he's been available, and he's progressively gotten better, but the injury last year maybe kind of would have curbed some of your enthusiasm, but I think he can still be a, a starting caliber offensive you know, guard for this football team, but we'll see. Also in the fourth round, cornerback Josiah Scott. Well, where's he at now? Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know if he was in the league. <laughs> he had two interceptions last season. Yeah, well, I mean, good for him. Four he, starts. Smaller guy, uh, very small yes. corner stature-wise. What else you got? Shaq Quarterman, fourth round. Yeah, he's been a contributor. Had the big hit on Derrick Henry in Tennessee, which uh, certainly got the ball rolling for the Jaguars in that game. And, uh, but, you know, he's a, he's a backup, special teams player. And uh, as long as you get a guy that can contribute and help on the roster at that level of, or that round, then I think you did okay. Daniel Thomas in the fifth round, safety. Uh, I like his energy. Uh, He's been a good energy, good special special teams player, good gunner. Colin Johnson, wide receiver, Uh, fifth round. You know, big long guy that uh, hasn't been around in a couple years, but uh, he was a guy that you liked him just because of his length. But I mean, again, your later rounds, and that's you know your your percentages drop significantly, and it showed there because he he didn't stick. Twelve games with the Giants two seasons ago, and uh, did not play. Does not have any stats as of last season, and uh, as of right now, Colin Johnson. Hold on, I'm double checking. Is still with the Giants. Yes, uh, Jake Luton, quarterback, sixth round. Yeah, I mean it's you know, and, and here's the thing, JP. Look look at the first round from the 2020 draft. There's three guys that are not even in the league anymore, okay? And Henry Ruggs, what, is he in jail? Yes, he's about to be. Uh, Damon Arnett, the cornerback from the Raiders, and then uh, Isaiah Wilson, the tackle with Tennessee, and then uh, Jeff Gladney passed away in a car accident. For, he was a Minnesota Vikings first-round pick. But, I mean, you go and you look at that first round. I mean, just not just the Jaguars' first-round yeah, picks, right. but some of the other ones, and – you know, if you look at it, the best one in that draft is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was the 22nd pick overall. Uh, you go into the, round two, and there's pick, there's guys in round two that are a lot better than the guys that were picked in round one. So, again, it goes back to what I, we, we talked about at the very beginning. The more picks you have, because it's a numbers game, it's a percentage game, the better chance that you have at success. And that's why I like the Jaguars trading down and gaining those extra extra picks. Jaguars had two more picks in 2020. Tyler Davis, tight end, Georgia Tech, and Chris Claybrooks, cornerback, yeah, Memphis. He's, he's, he's stuck around, and that's, uh, that's been a good seventh-round pick.
Clay Brooks has been been a, a, a solid contributor. And for round seven, take it any day of the week. Jaguars happy hour. Let's go around the National Football League. Last couple of minutes of the program here. And some breaking news. New York Giants all-pro defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence reached an agreement on a four-year, $90 million extension, including $60 million guaranteed, reported by Adam Schefter. Of really good player. I mean, really good player. Can play the nose, can play the three, is physical, throws guys around, can pass rush. This uh, this guy is uh, he's a, one of the top defensive tackles in the game, and he deserves every penny that he got right there. Lamar Jackson officially signed his new deal with the Ravens today and met the media five years, two hundred sixty million dollars just before the draft. Over seventy million <laughs> signing bonus today, and hey, imagine that everyone loves everybody in Baltimore now. Well, it was interesting. Their general manager um, talked about this deal. And, uh, and I'm trying to remember his name, uh, that he's the one that succeeded Ozzie Newsom. And he talked about how the offer or the deal that Lamar ended up getting was very similar to the one that they offered to him last fall. As far as the, the guarantees and the total amount were very similar. But, uh, again, Lamar was negotiating his own contract. He was still looking for a fully guaranteed contract. And then what happened with 2020 second-round pick, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, okay, which is uh, Jalen Hurts. He was the 53rd overall pick going back in that 2020 draft. He's doing just fine. Okay, and he got that deal just recently from the Eagles. I think when Lamar saw that, he said, well, it looks like I'm not going to get a fully guaranteed deal. (laughs) I don't blame him for trying, but but I'm glad they got it worked out. Now they can focus on the future ahead. One other note outside the league in the XFL, the coach of the year in the XFL, a familiar name, Reggie Barlow. Eight years in the NFL as a player. He was the head coach at Alabama State and at Virginia State. He's the head coach of the D.C. Defenders. They are in the XFL championship game this weekend. Reggie Barlow needs to start getting some recognition as being one heck of a football coach. He needs to get consideration for, for an opportunity in the National Football League. First of all, he's, a, he's an outstanding man. Uh, was a really good football player for the Jaguars for many years. Excellent punt returner, good wide receiver, and, uh, man, I'm happy for him. Next week, schedule least expected by the National Football League and week two of three of phase two of the offseason program. Thanks to our entire crew, Brent Reber, Joe Fortunato. Logs, we'll see you next week. That's Jeff Logaman. You got it. I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.